Friends, let me invite you to turn with me today to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and we'll be looking at verses 35 to 39. And my encouragement to you is that to look into your Bibles and see these truths for yourselves as you hear the word of God preached this morning. And my hope and prayer is that as we who are dwelt by the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to see from our text that we are the beloved children of God. And in closing of this glorious chapter of Romans 8, I want our time to be primarily meditative. May this everlasting love of God towards you be the truth around which your life is built. And that there is no one that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So turn with me to Romans chapter 8 verses 35 to 39 as we hear the word of God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or nakedness or persecution or famine or distress or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let me pray. Father, we can sing with joy because of our love that we have seen, because of your love that we have seen in your son Jesus. And thank you, Lord, even though when we are, we are going through trials of various kinds, you give us this joy that is forever. And thank you, Lord, for giving us the ability to come and sit here and sing these glorious truths and hear your word. And I pray that, Lord, that you would speak to us and minister to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week, we saw a couple of questions from Paul's series of questions in the conclusion of his big argument in the letter to Romans. And we saw that he was asking these questions to prompt, prompt us to explore the depths of these realities. And we saw that we are justified in God and that there is no condemnation. His law cannot condemn us. Listen to how Apostle Paul highlights the security against every Christian's legal standing before God in Romans chapter 8 verses 31 to 34. Just the verses before, ahead of these verses that we'll be looking at today. He says here, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Paul says in verse 31, What then shall we say to these things? 
This is the controlling idea based on which Paul is concluding this chapter 8. And the things that he had in view are the things that immediately precede verse, uh, and what we see in verse 29, where he says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And, in, and then in verse 30, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And you notice that there is nobody who is dropping up out of this golden chain. Everybody on whom the Lord sets his love gets justified. And so if you are someone who has experienced the love of God, your justification is secured and your glorification is secure. And then Paul asks the question, what then shall we say to these things? And in the questions that follow, he's offering up different things that can be said in response to these things. And he asks the next question, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then he asks, who can bring any charge and who can condemn? And there is no sin for those who are in Christ. There is no sin that is unpaid for. We saw that last week. Every, every attempt to condemn a Christian is ruled out of order. Whether it comes from other people, whether it comes from your conscience, an awareness of sin that remains with you, and whether it comes from the devil with all its accusations. Every one of these efforts to condemn you, God the judge of the universe declares justified paid for out of order and he will not hear them and because of what God in Christ has done for us as we see in verse 32 he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things because of this we are God's beloved and the result of this love is that we can we, we are justified and then we are legally free. We are forgiven and we know his love by understanding this truth. We are no longer condemned. We are forever justified all because of Christ. And this is the display of his love. This is the incredible good news and it is amazing. But it gets even better because our relationship with God is not only legal, it is personal. Legally, God justifies us forever. Personally, God loves us forever. The lengths which God has gone to justify us demonstrate the fact that we are his beloved. That's the last point that Paul makes as he closes Romans chapter 8. And the last five verses are the text for this morning. So in light of this, Paul asks a few more questions. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. So that would be our first point. There is no separation from God's love. And Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Sometimes when we are going through trials of life, as Pastor Aaron mentioned earlier, it, is become, it becomes really hard. And we are tempted to think, where is God? Has God forgotten? Does God really love me? If he loves me, why this? And Paul answers that question in these verses. 
who shall separate us from the love of Christ. And the who there and the wording of what follows makes it sound, makes it sounds like it is a list of people who are, who are going to bring this against Christians. It seems to be the opponents of the gospel, persecutors, oppressors, enemies of the gospel. They are the people who introduce tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, not having enough food to eat, nakedness, danger, and sword. And Paul says, will any of these persecutors succeed? And this is not an exhaustive list, but what Paul is doing here is that to suggest that God's children are not immune to even the most severe trials in this world. So he names seven experiences here that enemies of the gospel could bring into the lives of Christians. And what Paul is saying is not only are these persecutions going to fail to cut off Christ's love, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And they are not going to succeed. These seven items here are meant to encapsulate the extent of the fullness of wrath of anything that the Romans in the early times when the Christians endured and anything the government can do today that wants to oppose Christians and the gospel. Anything an unbelieving family member can introduce in your life try to get you to turn away from the love of Christ. And Paul is saying that is not going to change the love of Christ in your life. God's love for his people cannot be broken. Nothing can ever sever the love that God has for his children. Just as Christians' legal relationship with God can never be changed, in the same way our personal relationship with God is eternally secure. And the word that describes this personal relationship with God is love. And when Paul mentions the love of Christ in verse 35, and then the love of God in verse 39, he's talking about the same thing. The love of God in Christ. He's talking about God's love for us and not our love for God. And what is God's love? How do we understand this? We need to be clear on this because there are so many confusing ideas about God's love these days. J.A. Packer describes God's love like this. God's love is an exercise of his goodness towards individual sinners whereby having identified himself with their welfare, he has given his son to be their savior and now brings them to know and enjoy in a covenant relation. I'll read that again. God's love is an exercise of his goodness towards individual sinners. And how does he exercise this, uh, uh, this love towards in individual sinners? By identifying himself with their welfare. So he identifies with our welfare and he gives his, his, his own son to be our savior. And by doing so, he brings us to know God and enjoy God. God's love is, is his goodness being exercised towards us in Christ in such a way we now know God and we are able to enjoy him in an unbreakable relationship. Friends, this love which God has for his people is eternally secure because it cannot be broken by 
any painful experience. What Paul outlines here in verses 35, 36, and 39, and it cannot be broken by any intimidating opposition as well, which he lists in verses 38 and 39. And what he says in verse 36 is that these persecutions are not going to make you turn away from Christ's love. None of this is going to separate you from the love of Christ. Once again, J. Packer, from Knowing God, he says, you are strong enough, you are not strong enough to fall away when God is strong enough to hold you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And then, Paul quotes Psalm 46, verse 22, in verse 36. He says, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, before we go into this uh, verse, if you look at, uh, carefully look at verses 35, these are questions, right? And this question, what is the answer for these questions? These are rhetorical questions. And the answer for this is, who can separate us from the love of Christ? No one. Can tribulation do? No. Can distress do? No. Can persecution do? No. Can famine? Can nakedness? Can danger or sword? And because nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, verse 35, verse 36 follows. For your sake, because of our personal relationship with God, because we know God's love, we can live in a certain way. What he's saying is, here is that even if they decide to kill Christians, Christians who have experienced and enjoyed the personal relationship with God will never turn away. This is what Paul's understanding of Christian life is. You see, those Christians who tell tell you or those preachers or teachers who tell you and portray that Christian life is just going to be great and rosy, they don't read the whole Bible. Because Christians are not immune to severe and painful trials. And Paul says, we are like sheep led to the slaughter. This is precisely what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, before he sent them out. He said, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep and in the midst of wolves. This is a picture of us Christians. We are the sheep in the midst of wolves. And you know what wolves do to the sheep? They hunt them and they devour them. In John chapter 16, verse 33, in the night that he was betrayed, before he was arrested, Jesus told his disciples, in this world, you will have tribulation. It is a promise. Our Lord and Savior was subject to tribulation. He was oppressed. He was arrested. He was executed. And now he is our master. As we see in the end of this chapter, he is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And in his footsteps, we do follow. You know, the, 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 you know, there was a friend of mine from Bethlehem. And he was a Christian and he used to take real pride in his birthplace, where he has come from. The birthplace of Jesus. 
And he used to say, the holy land. And he used to describe how, Bethle- how in Bethlehem, you can get the same kind of Jesus- shoes that Jesus would have worn. And there are tours planned for the tourists that kind of map the places where Jesus has gone. And the tourists were supposed to be following along the footsteps of Jesus. I think it is made to make you feel good, feel somewhat spiritual or nostalgic. And it is possible to make it, make it a, make a very good devotional time as well. But my, my point is, following in Jesus' footsteps doesn't mean getting lost in the imagination of the past. But it is everyday faithfulness. Day after day, killing the self and doing the Father's will, just as how Jesus did, even to the point of death on the cross. And living like that, facing trials, killing sin, enduring persecution for the sake of his name, is the true mark of a follower of Jesus Christ, his Lord, even to the point of death. Paul says in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Sometimes we can get mixed up in our thinking of love. We only think God loves us when the pain is removed. We are sometimes tempted to think that way. We see this all the time in personal relationships with other people. And the people who have superficial understanding of love are easily disillusioned. When things are not going that way, they think love is gone and are very easily discouraged and manipulated when pain and difficulties come into their relationship. Sadly, we see this too frequently with parents and children. When children who have not been taught what real love is, they can begin to feel unloved when moms and dads cross their will. When mom and dad tell them no, and sometimes kid, kids will even say things like, if you loved me, you would let me go to the mall. If you loved me, you would give me what I want. If you loved me, you wouldn't take that away from me. And some parents get manipulated by, their accus- by these accusations because they themselves don't know or perhaps are forgetting what real love is. We need to understand that real love is seeking the best of the person in any and every circumstance. Even when circumstances are difficult or painful. Well, God always loves his children because he is always exercising his goodness towards them. Even in our pain and suffering, he loves us. He knows what is best for us. In fact, sometimes God ordains our pain and suffering. Sometimes he directs our pathway intentionally through fiery trials because he knows precisely what we need in order to experience more of his grace and his blessings. Now tell me, my friend, when you are in trials or suffering, were you 
away from God or those are the times that you actually draw near to God more. Do you know why is that the case? Because true Christians deep down in their hearts know that they have nowhere else to go. We are not going to turn away because we all feel in our hearts, as Peter says, where else can we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. We all feel in our hearts, as Daniel's three friends said, when they were damned, when they demanded to either bow or thrown into their fiery furnace, and they said, bowing to your statue is not going to help us. We are going to be faithful to the living God. And Paul is saying, that is right. None of that is going to turn off the love of Jesus and none of that is going to turn away the people of God from loving Jesus. For your sake, O Lord, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now there is something very interesting going on here. And what is that is that many places in the Old Testament, the sacrifices usually point forward to Jesus Christ. But in this place, in the Old Testament, in Psalm 44, it is the believers who are the sheep to the slaughter. Do you see that? That is how Paul is quoting this at this point. What we see is that Paul is using the language of the Old Testament and pointing out, as Jesus followers, we take up the cross and follow him. And we are ready to do it. The true children of God are ready to do it. Those who have experienced the love of God will gladly do it all day long. Every Christian is and must be able to say, wherever he leads, I will go. Whatever is required of us for Jesus' sake, we will do. So let me urge you, Grace Church, as you look at this passage, be an imitator of God. We saw that in verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? What can we can be like God towards the people of God? We want to be committed fully. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. And we as his children want to be ready as my brothers and sisters in Christ. So think about it. Husbands in this room who are followers of Jesus, you will have to say, I am going to lay down my life for my wife. Fathers in this room to the kids. I am going to lay down my life for my kids. And as brothers, I am going to work hard in protecting and guarding my sisters. Because God has loved me in this way and I am prepared to love others. And we can live like this until death. Because there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And not only God loves us through our trials and sorrows, look at verse 37. Through these trials and sorrows, Christians are made super conquerors. So first we saw there is no separation from God's love. And now we will look at God's love makes us conquerors. Verse 37, Paul says, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This word conqueror in Greek, it means uh, we are, you are super conquerors. You are hyper conquerors, more than conquerors. It is one thing to say, in the midst of trials, we will prevail. We will somehow endure it. 
But what Paul is saying is that it's not just being prevailing, not just enduring, but you can be more than conquerors. And we are made to be conquerors. How? Not because we are strong, not because we are prepared all our life for this moment, but we are made conquerors through him who loved us. Who loved us? Now God loves us and will love us, but Paul here is thinking more sp something more specific. Through him who loved us. This points us to Jesus Christ who came, who gave his life for us, who died for us, who was raised for us. So brothers and sisters, when you find yourself tempted to doubt the love of God, go back and look and think about the cross. Consider the love of God for you. On the cross, he gave up his son for you. To know that God is for you and that he loves you should strengthen you to live triumphantly through your trial. I didn't say that God love, God's love will enable to live without trials or without pain in the midst of trials. That is not true. His love does empower so that we are not destroyed by trials. But indeed, we can be strengthened through trials and then we can be more than conquerors. You know, why is Paul able to say that? Is he saying just as a theory, just as something, this is how you should theory, but practically, does, do you think he knows that? I think he does, because this was his own testimony. We can see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You you're probably are familiar with it by now. There he gives us a little insight into his own personal, personal spiritual experience. And he talks about this thorn in his flesh, and we don't know what it is, but it made him miserable. He wanted to be free from it. He thought he could be better apostle without it. And asked the Lord to take it from him. And the Lord did not take it from him, but rather the Lord said in, verse, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. God's grace is enough for his people. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Well, that truth, if you are able to believe it, if you are able to bring it to a conscious thinking in the midst of pain and sorrow and difficulty, it will set us free just as it set Paul free. So think about this, my friend. Next time when you are accused of wrongdoing, which you did not, which you did not do, the time when you feel you're constantly sinning because your children are demanding your attention. You're feeling condemned. When you are misunderstood. When you're going through actual pain and fatigue. When you feel that you do not have the strength to get up from your bed. And you go about doing the same work again and again for another day. Because this might be the case as Paul, that the thorn in the flesh will not be removed. And this is what Paul said. And may this be true for you. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses. And you see that he is content with insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. You see, this is the testimony of the one who is more than a conqueror. 
not because Paul has figured it out, figured out the secret of life or that he gathered all the strength he needs to face this hardship in his life. No, he is weak. He feels he is weak. But in his weakness, God perfected his power. We can also see that um, uh, verse which Ajit read for us earlier, we, where we see this is a future uh, promise that we will be more than conquerors. And what we see is that now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come and the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And you know what it says? They have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives even unto death. So this is the testimony of believers who persevere to the end. We will be more than conquerors by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of his testimony. And they loved not their lives, but they loved him. So is that true for us? Is that true for you and me? Please, let us evaluate that. And in the same way, he will give you grace to say, my God is sufficient. I am in him. I am strong. Oh, this is how God deals with us, friends. I know. Look around in this room. There are here some of you who are going through many different trials. Some of you are grieving. But as you persevere, like Paul, and when God's love is perfected in you, I am confident you will have the peace that surpasses all understanding. In the midst of the storm, there it is that you are still resting in the everlasting arms of our Savior, rejoicing in his steadfast love for you. So yes, God's love makes us more than conquerors. And furthermore, the final point, this love of God cannot be broken no matter how comprehensive our opposition is. Verse 38. This love of God cannot be broken, no matter how comprehensive our opposition is. He says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. One commentator says, in the final two verses of chapter 8, we see a call for reflection rather than interpretation. They supply the climax of Paul's eloquent words. Indeed, these ten things he mentions, they indeed don't need a lot of explanation. So he says, neither death nor life as in the period of this life, nor angels, nor rulers. This is a reference to the unseen world of demonic forces that are always trying to overthrow the work of God in the life of God's people. Not things present, not things to come. Things that you face day by day and the things that will come in the future. And he mentions singly, nor powers. Most likely is reference to these heavenly spiritual powers of darkness. And then he says, nor height, nor depth. 
these are special terms and it seems like Paul is trying to impress upon his readers that there is nothing high or there is nothing low enough that can overcome the love of God in Christ Jesus. And then he concludes, and nor anything else in all creation. Nothing has the power to separate us from God's love for us. Brothers and sisters, no matter what you're going through, this needs to be brought to your mind. Whatever painful relationship you are in, whatever loss you are suffering, whatever sorrows that you're going through, be assured of this. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He has loved you with an everlasting love, an unbreakable love. Knowing this and remembering it will enable you to persevere with confidence even through the most painful events of your life, even through death. And this is love. This love is in Christ. Perhaps the best known verse in all of Bible is John chapter 3 verse 16 where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is in this son in Jesus Christ. Paul is saying even in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, he says, God show his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Apostle John underscores in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, God's love for his people is in Jesus Christ. Not because of me and not because of you. Not because of your father or not because of your mother. Or not because of any human being on this earth. It is not based upon anything that is subject to change. That's the great difference between God's love, which never changes, and the way people love. Now a child first learns to love his mother because she is always doing something for the child. She provides for him. She feeds him. She cares for him. She holds him. And as we grow, we learn not only to love others because they are doing something for us, but because of who they are in all the unique ways. And sometimes we tend to love others more than some other people. But the greatest way to love others is to love people, not because what they do to us, not because what they are in of themselves, but to love them for Christ's sake. Because we have been loved. And because God is love. And because we are called to be more like God. We saw that few weeks back in Romans chapter 8 verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. So by his power and his grace, we learn more and more to love as he loves which means we love for his sake. That is how God loves. We know Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be the sons of your father 
who is in heaven. Nothing outside of God compels his love. He foreknew. He set his love on us in Christ. He called us in Christ and he chose us in Christ. He redeemed us in Christ and he preserves us in Christ because he loves us in Christ. And because of this, we are safe and secure eternally in Christ. This is marvelous news. If you are trusting Jesus, that is great news. Nothing you can ever do, nothing that can ever be done to you that can separate you from the love of God. I know there are a few here this morning that who are not trusting in God or not trusting in Christ. And we would want to know that you are always welcome. We are glad that you are here. But I am guessing that you have probably heard about God's love. And I am sure there are some thoughts about God's love that are right. And many of them are very wrong. And I want you to understand before you leave today, I want you to see Paul's language that God's love for his children is in Christ. You see, there is no way you could ever know or experience God's love out of Christ. You may talk about his love. You may trick yourself thinking that he loves you and you are assured of that and that you love him. But if you are not turning from your sin and trusting in Jesus and following Jesus as Lord, then whatever it is that you have experienced thus far in your relationship to God, no, that is not out of love. The love of God saves sinners. So think about this for a moment. And if you, have, if you want to experience the love of God today, I will plead with you to come to Christ. And the good news of Christ is available to you. He has been proclaimed to you in these verses. And there are many people in this room who have testimony after testimony of God's love for them in Jesus Christ. So I would encourage you to stay back and talk to them and talk to me after the service. So brothers and sisters, in conclusion, do you see how Paul begins verse 38? He says, For... I am sure. For I am sure. He has a strong conviction. No doubt in his mind. What are you certain of today? What can you say and include? I am sure of this today. Of this I am confident. Are you sure you will be free of sickness by tomorrow? Are you sure your job circumstances will change? Are you sure your financial struggles will go away? Are you sure that the person who has become a constant thorn in your life will suddenly change? Are you sure your children will become believers and they'll, they will not give more hard time to you? But what can we be sure of? Isn't that God's love for us in Christ Jesus? So will you say with Paul, I am sure that nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ he has loved me. I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. He has loved me all these years and he will love me till I enter the rest of my father. He who did not spare his own son but he gave him up for us all, will also with graciously give me all things. 
And will he be able to say, there's nothing else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me pray. Father, we rejoice in this glorious text and these glorious truths that help us to understand that we are secure in your love and there is nothing that can snatch us away from your hands. Thank you, Lord. We have now the grace to call upon you in your son, Jesus Christ, our Father. And help us, Lord, to now endure trials, live by faith, fight sin, so that we will be found faithful when one day you will return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.